Hello, my name's Alex Bellinger, and this is Small Biz Pod on Saturday the 4th of March. Lots to cover off in today's show. It's a jam-packed one. Um, plenty of comments and some great interviews. And the theme of this week's show is, in essence, what to do when you are thinking or requiring or needing to start employing people. Um, that's a, it's a big step for, for, for most businesses when you first have to start dealing with uh, recruitment and uh, the legislation around employment. So we've got an interesting interview with uh, an entrepreneur who has done that successfully and a couple of experts who can give you some practical advice and tips on how to manage, motivate and deal with the legislation around your staff. But first, I'm going to move very quickly into comments because, uh, as I said, I've got a lot to get through on today's show. So uh, the first comment uh, f- came through by email, and it's from Sanjay Parekh of Signifo, which is a, a software business. If you remember, Sanjay won one of the Right Now Technologies books in the, the one and only Small Biz Pod competition. And uh, Sanjay writes, um, thanks for this. And that was the, the interview that I did with him on Small Biz Pod number 20. Uh, which you'll remember was at the the book launch itself. Finally got round to listening. Not bad for an impromptu interview. I hope things are going well for you. And uh, they are. Sanjay, thanks very much for that. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I thought you did a bloody good job on your interview, I have to say. So thank you for that. Um, And I also had a a surprise email from uh, Thomas Power, who is the chairman of Academy, the the well-known networking group online, uh, who said some very nice things just a subject line saying you are excellent so uh, thanks very much for that thomas and um yeah good talking to you as well um uh, so that was great uh, nice to know we've got fans in high places um and then i had an email nice email from rita uh, gayford um from the rational gallery and uh, she says, hello, Alex, thought I'd drop you a line to say that I enjoyed your latest podcast. And I think that was the one that went out from the Web Wednesday event last week or so ago. I've been to a couple of the Web Wednesday meetings and found them really enjoyable with an interesting mix of people. Uh, Damien also offers a free introductory coaching session by phone, which I found very helpful. One thing that struck me whilst listening to the podcast was that all the people you mentioned, except for, I think, three, seemed to be of the male persuasion. Where are all the female entrepreneurs? Also, when I tried to enter in my f- details on the Frapper page, it said invalid country. So it doesn't accept London, England and the United Kingdom then. Uh, well, Rita, thanks very much for that. Um, yeah, int- uh, and I clarified with her later, she didn't mean that my interviews were predominantly with men rather than women. It was it was more concerned with who'd logged on and registered on the Frapper map. And um, yeah, most of you guys are blokes i suppose rather than uh, the fairer sex uh, but you know i'd love to see more female entrepreneurs on there and in fact i think i interview quite a lot of female entrepreneurs um, and you'll hear another one coming up um, in today's show but thanks very much for your feedback on that rita um just one small thing on the frapper map um if you are trying to to, to log in and put your pin on in the frapper map the small biz pod frapper map um, there is a little uh, piece of text under where you enter your location, and it and it says um, uh, 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 something along the lines of "Not in the USA." Click here. So you have to just click on that little piece of uh, hyperlinked text, 
in order to uh, enter the your location if you're not in the US. Um, obviously, Frapper was a is a US based company, so the the focus is there. But your London does exist, even in the world of Small Biz Pod and Frapper, um, and I should think so too. So thanks for that, Rita. Um, who else have I got here? Um, oh yes, um, our first African uh, listener for Small Biz Pod, Oladele Ayuba. Um, he writes to me by email. Uh, this is Oladele Ayuba, your first Nigerian African listener. Um, I would like you to do a show that looks at the strategies and tactics that people adopt when they want to break out of the corporate world to become full-time entrepreneurs. I'm trying to brace myself for the shock. I'm sure I'll have to face later this year. I think it is a show that everybody would want to listen to. If you can get comments from people who've done it and succeeded and those who've done it and failed, it would give us a balanced view on how things can go. Look forward to the show. Um, and that's, you know, that's a brilliant piece of feedback, Ola Daly. And, um, uh, and it is an interesting topic, one that is close to my heart, having broken out of the corporate world not too long ago. And I think, uh, although we kind of cover that off with the number of the entrepreneurs that I've interviewed over recent weeks and months, uh, it probably does merit a show in its own right. So thanks for that. And any other listeners, if, you, if you've got any suggestions for themes or topics for Small Biz Pod, um, I'm really happy to, to be driven by you in terms of what kind of priorities, what kind of issues and topics you'd really like to listen to. So just send me an email at alex at smallbizpod.co.uk. So uh, thank you very much for that, Ola Daly. Um, and uh, yep, there's, uh, there's one here from uh, Mark Anthony, who writes, just caught the first of your small biz podcasts. Just wanted to say great work. Uh, I think uh, he probably didn't catch the first. I think he caught number 23, but he hasn't quite realized that yet. Uh, and uh, he says, I specialize in the business of franchise marketing, and I reckon that your podcast would be of great value and benefit to the franchisees that I deal with. Uh, and indeed, uh, Mark, we did cover franchising in a very early show. It might be number small business pod number two, I think, where I did an interview with the director general of the British Franchise Association, amongst others, and Domino's Pizzas as well, as far as I remember. Uh, so it is a topic that we that I have covered, and uh, I'm sure we will come back to it at some point in the future. So thanks very much for that. And then uh, I had a comment on the show blog um, from Sebastian Pruth. And uh, for listeners who are new to the show, you can leave comments in various ways, either by emailing, e emailing me direct at alex at smallbizpod.co.uk. You can leave a comment on the blog at www.smallbizpod.co.uk. Or uh, you can just telephone me or speak to me over Skype or something like that. That's fine too. Um, and Sebastian says, Hello fellow listeners of the Small Biz Pod. Hi Alex, thanks for mentioning me on this show. I just heard it and was really very pleased. One thing, my show is from the director's chair, but it's all good. My show is about video, audio and tech. And if you're interested, take your browser over to uh, and I'll put, post the, the uh, link to his podcast in uh, the 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 blog the show notes um okay back to small biz pod there are several things that are really cool about this show one of the first being that it's english and i've not found a lot of english podcasts especially good english podcasts uh, alex you sound like you should be on the bbc man really sound cool i also enjoyed january's show with the interviews keep up the great work uh well thanks very much for that sebastian and we've had a couple of chat 
chats over Skype about various things related to podcasting. Um, I think if you do a bit of digging, you'll find that there are some really good English podcasts around uh, and, uh, you know, they're growing in number all the time. But um, thanks for that and uh, good luck with your own podcast. And then finally, uh, well, not quite finally, nearly finally, uh, I'll just say a, a quick hello to the guys on, who have signed up on the Frapper Map. Gary Dring, who is one of those UK podcasters who does a great uh, great show and he's also uh, interested and runs a business related to entrepreneurship. Um, so thanks for that, Gary. Um, Scott Gavin, who uh, I've known online for a, quite a long while and uh, he has a particularly... Um, great photo up on flap the flapper fricker flapper flipper what's it called yeah flicker and uh he is definitely nominated as the small biz pod heavy um he is the guy who will protect me when i become famous so there we are uh, thanks also to ron chesek from maple heights in ohio uh stephen cottrell from brighton um to helston from Helsingor, our first Danish listener, uh, to make themselves known on the Frapper map, and Neil Gibson in Hythe in Kent. So thank you one and all. And uh, I also had a call from uh, a listener in Mexico who left a, a voicemail message for me over Skype. Um, I'm afraid the quality of the call was really, really poor, um, and I couldn't catch the name of this guy. I know he's, he's uh, based somewhere in uh, the north of Mexico, uh, north of Mexico City. So thank you very much indeed for that comment. Sorry I can't um, shout out your name, but um, drop me an email and uh, I'll uh, hopefully be able to, to have a chat with you, get in touch with you uh, at some point in the not-too-distant future. So thank you all very much for that feedback. A bit of a uh, a high tide of, of comments uh, for Small Biz Pod this week but um, that's really really great and I really really do appreciate hearing from you all uh, it, you know us podcasters lead lead solitary lives in front of a microphone so it's nice to hear from you now in today's show as I said at the, the beginning uh, I'm focusing on um, employment issues how to motivate your staff um, and some of the practical issues around um, that taking those first steps into employing uh, staff, which can be a big challenge for uh, small businesses in the early stages. Um, first on, I'm going to talk to uh, Julia Scott from Base Connections, uh, which is a marketing and telemarketing company, uh, which was set up in 1994. Just uh, Julia and her business partner, Annetta Snyder, launched with a, a couple of computers and a couple of telephones in a in a spare room, I think, and have grown their staff to 55 and indeed have been recognised as uh, one of the most innovative um, call centres winning European Call Centre of the Year, I think, and uh, various other um, awards over time. And they have a very interesting approach to managing and motivating their staff. And then at the end of uh, that interview, I have a couple of experts who give us some practical advice and tips on how to deal with employment issues. So first, let's uh, welcome uh, Julia Scott from Base Connections to the show. Thank you for joining us today, Julia. Thank you. Um, tell us a little bit about how, what inspired you to, to set up Base Connections in the first instance. Right. Well, we wanted to work part-time around our families and couldn't actually find interesting part-time work out there that, that we could use the skills we'd already learnt from previous work yep. so we decided to set something up ourselves and we wanted something that we could 
have a very good place for people to work, but also to be able to offer good service to our clients. And um, had you any business experience in terms of starting or, or running a business before that? What were the kind of challenges that you, you faced? Um, we, neither of us had run a business um, in the, the typical way. We'd both been in direct marketing and we had um, promoted um, direct sales products, body products, yeah. um, but we'd never actually um, worked in business itself. Yeah, okay, so all of the, all of the issues around um, forming a company and beginning to employ people were all new to you. Yes, a very steep learning curve. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and did you seek a, did, what kind of advice did you seek when you actually began to realize that you, you needed to start employing staff to build mm. the business? Uh, how, how did you, from a practical point of view, how did you go out and, and do that? Did you seek advice? What did you do? We did. I mean, I think it's always a useful thing to ask for help from people you know and, and network. Yeah. Um, we also um, looked to Business Link, actually, and uh, we had a what was then a health check where um, an advisor came in and helped us go through the sorts of things that we would face and see if we were prepared for them and where she felt we weren't prepared pointed us in the right direction to, to get further help. And that's good good practical advice from people who've, who've already been through it, I guess. Yes, I, I think so. There's nothing like getting out there and picking other people's brains when they've yeah. been through the pain of it already. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, no point. <laughs> but on the other hand, you should also go with your gut instinct and, um, and listen to your instincts because um, just because other people have done things one way doesn't mean to say that um, that is the right way. I mean, the way we have employed our staff within our industry is different. Um, and I think that's been one thing that has made us strong. Okay, so, so, so how is it different? Um, when we needed to employ staff, um, we didn't look for um, what one would typically call um, telemarketing staff. Yeah. Um, what we did was we looked uh, for people who were similar to ourselves, who had had a certain amount of business experience, yeah. um, and people who didn't want a career a break um, for you know five, ten years. They wanted actually to do some part-time work. Um, around their families and we found an awful lot of people who were ex-teachers or marketing managers and, and solicitors yeah. who came to work for us part-time um, and then also were able to juggle their family life as well. We found that was a really good source of staff. So uh, obviously you've got a, an in innovative recruitment approach there um, but in terms of actually um, how you deal with your employ employees once you've chosen them, um, have you got any sort of advice for, for first-time employers, as it were? Um, I think selecting the right staff is very important. Uh, we go through a, a very, um, quite a drawn-out recruitment process where yeah. we do one-to-one -one interviews, but we also do group um, activities where we can see how people um, act within a team, because oh, okay. that's very important yep, yep. Um, when you're in this sort of industry. Yeah. Um, and um, we also make sure once they're employed um, that they do have an individual um, training and development program. We give them a lot of one-to-one -one training and also we um, give them um, coaching and, and um, help them in their particular needs. Because Just because somebody's come to do one type of job doesn't mean to say they need exactly the same training. Yeah. So we, we do yeah. try and tailor um, individually um, where suitable. Okay. Now... Inevitably, there are going to be 
headaches when you're employing people uh, uh, without meaning to get too negative I mean, w- what have been what have been the things that have been been difficult for you to manage in terms of um, em- employing people right well last year um, um, when I look at the stats I think of sort of the last year where we've got a full year of stats yeah we employed um, 23 part-time staff and 33 full-time staff whereas when we started it was all part-time staff okay and that was quite tricky because we were having to um, work out how we would get the work done with those people Um, and there is more admin if you have staff working shorter hours but on the other hand it's benefited us greatly because if staff might be doing say three or four days a week um, because of their situation uh, might be family situation or whatever then as say their children get older we can then have the staff work longer and eventually go full time. Yeah. Um, that, that has been tricky, but definitely worth it because of the sort of people we can recruit. Um, and the other thing is, is holding on to staff is also very tricky, but we, we do try very hard to maintain our staff and our t- staff turnover is only 22%. Okay. Um, whereas in the contact centre industry, typically it's something between 70 and 100%. Yeah, no, that's, that's what I'd, that's what I'd understood. So mm. that's, that's a, a phenomenal achievement. Mm. Do you think that's a combination of your, your choice of, um, people, as it were, uh, but also the flexibility that you allow them in terms of, in terms of working patterns? Yeah, I mean, it's so difficult when you're recruiting because, you obviously think you're making the right decision, and you don't yeah. always. No, but no. We, we do try very hard um, with that. Um, and um, what we do is we, we do offer the flexibility. So it's meant that, um, for example, our part-time staff last year, absence was only 3.9 days well, that's very um, good. on average. Yeah. Um, because that flexibility means that if, they're work- if a part-time person is working uh, Four, three or four days a week, they can actually swap a day, and that helps us make up days. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that that's been good. So, so related to that low absence rate and and for the industry, um, very low uh, turnover of staff rate. Uh, yeah. How do you keep people happy? <laughs> how do you keep them? Right. How do oh, you... <laughs> that's a major thing yeah. in our our business. It's very, very, um, very large. Uh, amount of time is spent making sure that we do keep a well-motivated yeah. round of staff. Um, one thing we, we use is something called self-direction. Okay. And that's all about staff taking responsibility and ownership for their work. So no matter where, how, how new they are to the business or, or where they are within the business, if they are working on a, a client's campaign, they will be involved in the client meetings okay. and they are responsible for the work they produce. So if, for example, they're doing an appointment setting campaign yeah. and the client comes in for the monthly uh, meeting to see how progress has been made in the last month, the people who have made the appointments are actually the ones who are receiving feedback and, and informing the clients about the, oh, the work that they're doing. Yeah. And they really do take ownership of their work. Um, so there's that. Um, they know the company goals. Yeah. Um, they know their team goals. And for both of those, we thank them by rewarding them um, in ways, for example, um, they, they do choose their own rewards, but they're also taking on maybe um, luxury weekend hotel trips as a group, um, yeah, yeah. take everyone out for meals. We've been on the Orient Express. We've been to Bruges for the day and so forth. Um, so we do try and thank the staff for what they do. We thank them for um, length of service. And although we've been going for 12 years, we have a number of people who've been with us for 10 years or more. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and we have a, a big group of people who've been with us for five years or more. And 
um, we do five-year and ten-year awards and um, trips and, and so forth. Um, so we do that. We do fun days. Um, and also I mentioned the personal development and coaching earlier. Yes. Uh, we have a lot of one-to-ones with them to make sure we've got their personal development um, tracked for them and making it yeah. individual. Yeah. Um, and um, okay, well, I mean, yeah, I could go on, but I'm well, I mean, that's, that's those are those are three very, um, very, very important and interesting elements. I think. I mean, particularly the um, the element where they 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 have a great deal of responsibility because typically you would anticipate you would anticipate most call center staff just being on the phones, answering the phones, and and it being a fairly um, uh, to a, despite being on the phone all day, a fairly sort of low interaction with 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 clients beyond that initial call. So, I, I believe that's the majority of the case. Yeah, um, and that's one way I think that it can be it can be different here. Yeah, um, yeah, no, it's uh, very interesting. Okay, um, I suppose what one you know whether you're employing one person or or 55 people or 100,000 people um inevitably one of the uh, headaches is not so much the staff themselves as the uh, administration and, and legislation mm-hmm. around employment um my general impression and if you believe um some of the the, the groups that represent smaller businesses is that uh, employment legislation just seems to be getting more and more of a headache what what's mm-hmm. been your experience in, on that front um, I think that's definitely the case. Um, we didn't consider it too much when we started 12 years ago. Yeah. And now we have somebody who's employed who um, spends a lot of her time on um, compliance. Yes. And yeah. And whether it's the compliance of the IT systems and making sure that all the software is um, used properly and isn't on to the wrong computers yeah. or whether it's data protection or telephone preference service yeah. you know it is very time consuming keeping on top of um of that and making sure that we are behaving you know professionally yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it, it does take time and it's a pity that we have to spend that time um because it could be used in a much more creative way <laughs> yeah Absolutely. I mean, I, I think, you know, employee, employee legislation is fine when it protects employees or employers, but it, uh, some kind of rationalization of red tape, I think, is long overdue. Mm. Um, okay, that's great. So uh, in terms of, of what, what the future holds for, for, for Base Connections and you, I mean, you, you, you've grown um, significantly over the, the 10 or so, 12 years that you've been, uh, that since you started, what, what, what plans have you got for, for the future in terms of growth or are you, are you, do you feel you're, you're at a point where you're, you're now happy? No, well, I think it's, it's a constant, um, thing that you have to look at. I mean, when we started, we were literally outbound appointment setting, um, and that was it. Yeah. Um, over the years, we've, um, made the variety of services we offer to um, administration, to inbound. We do a lot of inbound as well, okay, fulfillment. Yeah. Um, and two new projects that we've got on the go, which really do help uh, make the staff's life interesting because it means that when they have perhaps done what they want to do within Base Connections, we've got two other um, ways that they can develop as well. And one is we are 
I'm starting in, um, a new marketing department, uh, okay. which is just getting up and running at the moment, and um, being able to offer full service marketing. So um, that's that's new. But also we've um, launched um, a new retail site called FabStuff.net, which is oh. fabulous stuff on the net. Okay. Um, and some of the staff from Base Connections um, are being used to help us within that business. So it's a kind of a linked linked diversification approach, sort of. Exactly. Okay, Julia Scott from Base Connections, thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Now, one of the key areas where small businesses can face problems is if one of their uh, vital members of staff goes off on long-term sick leave or is otherwise incapacitated. Um, I spoke to uh, Professor Martin Binks of the University of Nottingham's Institute for Enterprise and Innovation earlier in the week and uh, asked him about what the their UK business barometer found on this particular subject. Well, the evidence suggests that um, around two-thirds of, of smaller businesses uh, don't actually have insurance cover to uh, <clears throat> to cover against illness um, for for the key personnel in the business. Mm. Um, and uh, that would, again, as you might expect, that's more common amongst the lack of insurance is more common amongst the smaller firms themselves. Uh, yeah. this, and the danger of this, obviously, is it does make the business very vulnerable because uh, uh, if it's the smallest firms that uh, tend to adopt this strategy or rather not adopt a strategy of insurance mm. cover, then um, uh, there you might have three or four people or, or five or six. Um, you know, if the... If, if the owner manager um, is out of the picture for a while it could leave the business in an extremely vulnerable position yeah absolutely i suppose though that particularly for the smallest business um, there are very many um, expenses that uh, and insurance policies i suppose that that businesses will need to set up and and this one may well come lower down the, the priority list I think that's possible. It's also possible that um, uh, that some uh, business people are not completely convinced that the insurance, that the that the the terms and conditions of the insurance um, would give them sound cover. Now they mm. they may easily be mistaken in that view, but I know that um, there is some skepticism sometimes about the. The, the detailed terms and conditions that apply on some of these policies. Moving on to a, another area that, that, was, that was covered in the, the latest January uh, research, um, recruitment. Uh, from an em employer's point of view, one would anticipate that employing recruitment consultants might be uh, useful to identify the right staff for a business. Uh, but it seems, again, that, that smaller businesses aren't that keen on using those outsourced services. What, 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 are the, what does the survey say on that front, Martin? Well, here, yeah, we do find that only a very small proportion uh, outsource recruitment uh, functions. Around 16% of the respondents um, indicated that they did use these uh, facilities. Um, I think that can be for, for several reasons. One, obviously, is the cost. Um, uh, but but another is that uh, uh, in a very in in very small businesses the owner manager often um, undertakes most of the uh, key roles in terms of finance, um, HR, and marketing, uh, yeah. um, design, etc. Um, and therefore, quite a lot of their recruitment may not refer to 
posts that have a particularly uh, cru particularly crucial skill set um, around them. Um, but as they get larger and they start to delegate more, so um, that's when they, they probably do need to use uh, these kinds of consultants to, and, and outsourcing facilities to, uh, uh, to appoint more uh, specific and, uh, roles with particular areas of responsibility. I also spoke to Alan Phillips uh, of Crona, one of the UK's leading um, advisory services on uh, legal compliance for businesses of all sizes, and asked him what uh, small business owners should keep an eye out for in terms of employment legislation. Probably the most important thing to have is a proper written contract that will identify the terms and conditions that you intend to operate between yourself and your employees because that actually removes a lot of difficulties later on when questions arise because you can point back to the original agreement. And can you get those, I mean are there sort of models off the shelf or do you really need to get a solicitor involved? No, you don't need to get a solicitor involved. Um, you can use um, organizations who can provide them for you as part of their services, or you can even go to the DTI right. um, and download some information from a website with a very um, somewhat rough and ready document, but something that's good enough to start with. So, yeah, contract of employment, obviously important. What about yep. once you've actually employed the staff? Uh, what, well, what happens then? That's when the fun yeah. begins, um, because uh, in, particularly with small employers, the one thing that they dread is people not being able to come to work for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. And as the years have passed, there has become more and more statutory rights to time off. And it's in these areas that people really quite early on need to get a perception and an understanding of what might happen if the new secretary comes in and says, I'm pregnant. Yeah. And um, are those rights, uh, if, a, if an employee requests flexible working, must a small business owner allow them to work flexibly? Uh, what they have to do is they normally, if it is for somebody who has a child under five, yeah. um, whether it's male or female, they have a statutory right to ask to change their hours of work. Okay doesn't mean to say that they will actually get it, but they have to follow a process which does allow the employer, uh, if they can't uh, agree to it or can't agree to any adaptation on the request, mm -hmm. to have some specific laid down statutory reasons for saying, sorry, we can't. Okay, okay. So it is not a completely one-way street then? No, it's no. not. Okay. But, but there are lots of other bits that we then need to go on yeah. with. Um, particularly when we get further down into the uh, area of the business, and sadly sometimes we have to deal with redundancies, mm -hmm. um, that's for a lot of people an absolute nightmare because of the time that's taken in handling it, particularly if there are more than 20 employees involved uh, in the redundancies. And then, of course, we have what's known as the transfer of undertakings regulations, of which there are some new ones coming out on the 6th of April. Um, and those are there to try and protect the employee when businesses sell from one to another, which often happens in the type of small businesses we're talking about, that as they develop, they buy up other businesses and so on and so forth. And people really have to carry out due diligence properly before they sign on a dotted line to make sure they know what they're taking on board.
Okay, so that piece of legislation means that somebody, if you if you purchase, as it were, uh, or buy out another company, the employees of that company have a right to retain the terms under which Absolutely. they're employed. Absolutely. And, right. and is there a is there a, a time limit on that, or is that until they retire? <laughs> it is forever. Oh, right. Okay. Sadly, um, you can only make changes to those terms either if there is a right in the contract to do so, yeah. because the contract transfers or it is for a reason that is unconnected with the transfer. The only other large piece of legislation due this year is the age discrimination legislation, mm -hmm. which comes out in October. Yep. Um, and again, most people tend to look at that one when they've read about it as being how it affects people retiring. Mm -hmm. But of course it doesn't. It affects the young as well and will impact upon businesses who are trying to recruit only young people who are lively and energetic. Yeah. Um, that could be discrimination in the future. Okay, so lots to think about. I hope you found today's show interesting, informative, and useful. Uh, keep those comments com coming. Keep uh, suggestions for uh, topics for shows coming. Uh, you can contact me on alex at smallbizpod.co.uk, which brings me to this week's track. And it's from Electromancer.com as usual. And the track is called Laughter House by Chris Rusu. <laughs> 